you were <laughs> so important to us crafting that victory, which is why I wanted to have you on was to understand what did you see? What did we do? How did we <laughs> prep? Like, I just, I want to dig into the process of trying to beat a team that had never lost a venue at that point and offensively just ringing it up at various yeah. points throughout the game. Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is the challenge that we had with the two, like, you know, flying to Moncton and then turning around two days later and flying to Vancouver was difficult from a prep point because up to that point, you've got your routine in place and we had never traveled that far in general. So my routine, you know, with getting a game plan together was never that. So there was challenges and I was a relatively new coordinator at the time. Like I had started calling plays at the start of 2010. Uh, so your first year was kind of the first time that I was full-time play caller um, under uh, Steph at Mac. So that was a challenge in itself. And then, you know, the first thing you do is put the film on and you're just going, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, a front seven that I think probably had four CFLers, if not five um, at Laval and looking at it going, what do we do? Because uh, one of the things we had Kyle and we, people remember us spreading it out and stuff, but as you know, we ran the ball against both Acadia and Western the two weeks prior, very, very effectively. And so, you know, the, the conditions and all that were saying we were kind of morphing into a bit of a 50, 50 team. Whereas our memories, I think, tell us that we were a spread it out, chuck it around team the whole year, but we had a really a pretty consistent ground game. Uh, once you throw Kyle's numbers into the mix, but um, looking at that Laval film was, was rather overwhelming. I mean, two guys obviously that popped off the page were, were uh, Gascon Nadal and Plessius for them playing rush end and Sam linebacker. So we, we had a, the first thing I like to do is look at personnel and, you know, when we haven't seen a team, especially that's what the first thing is who's who. And we knew who they were just by their names, a lot of them. And it was, yeah. it was daunting. It wasn't that, yeah, it's funny because you would present us these pieces of paper every week throughout the regular season. It would be, here are the players, here's their last name, position, height, weight, and like one little thing background would be like, okay, you know, this guy's got great coverage skills or, hey, if we can get him in man, we'll attack him or whatever. <laughs> and I don't remember specifically the meaning of the Laval handout, but I, I just imagined that it was probably you just going, uh, yeah, really good. Uh, yeah, future Matt, CFLer. Yeah, future CFLer. Future uh, CFLer. This guy's this guy's massive. Um, that we we probably can't move him. So we should, boy, we're gonna have to figure something out. Uh, like it's <laughs> down the list. It would have been tough to be like, that's the dog, and this is the guy that we're gonna attack. Yeah, and actually, that you know, that's the ter terminology I think we used back at the, at the time was the term dog. No disrespect at all, but that's yeah. kind of my background is basketball. That's where that term came from. Um, and there wasn't one. You're right. And so when we were going into it, I thought. Uh, you know, I usually sat down with Steph really early in the week and kind of laid out what I thought. And my conclusions were that we weren't going to be able to run the ball. Um, and so, you know, usually you get in the playoff situation and you say, you know, you got to you got to be able to run the ball, control the clock, all that kind of stuff. And I get that. And it, I guess it makes sense. But. I didn't want to try to run on first down a lot and then be stuck on second and nine when they can do whatever they want. Uh, so when I met with Steph early in the week, I still remember saying, I don't think we're going to be able to run the ball and I don't want to try. Hmm. Like, let's not spend all this time trying to scheme up these crafty run plays and all this that might not work anyways, which just takes away practice time from what, we could be doing and honing what we're, what we ultimately were pretty good at. Um, so I don't know if you remember by day two of practice out there. So we, I think we had two, two practice days at UBC and one in the dome. Yeah. By day two of practice, we weren't even doing inside run. I was going to say, I remember scrapping that period. And I was like, yeah. I, and as the guy who was running essentially like scout team stuff, I think I might've still been running down and doing something for the, because LaValle yeah. was going to pound it with stretch run and stuff like that. But yeah. I remember looking at the other end of the field as I'm doing inside and being like, huh, okay. <laughs> so we usually we had split, remember we split that period. We would do usually like 15 minutes of say inside run. And then we'd 
carve out a few reps at the end for their most popular blitzes. And then by Thursday, we had flipped it. So on just Thursday, we would do BPU. And that's on top, obviously, of the time the O-line and back spend on their own, whether it's in specials periods or in indie periods or whatever. But by day two, we we actually just stopped running the ball in practice. Yeah. Because that was we had the game plan runs we wanted, which I guess we can talk about after that. They did work. Yeah. Um, so I think we did enough, but we just said let's protect against their um against their, you know core blitzes that they had shown and i didn't think when we were doing that that we would drop back i think we dropped back to throw shoot over 60 times is that what it was eh? well kyle i think was 36 of 50 something but then anytime he scrambled is still a drop back yeah so i would guess over 60 times um i didn't think that that would be the case but (laughs) um it, it ended up being a pretty smart decision because we didn't outthink ourselves on the ground. And what I mean by that is, again, we didn't try to scheme up some stuff that maybe didn't work. We had what we did really well. We were a really good zone running team because Chris Pizzetta was a really good zone runner. Um, And we did a few zones to keep them honest, I think. And then a couple of junkie runs, right? We scored on a draw. Yeah. You know, we scored on a draw. Our second touchdown in the second quarter was on a draw. the one uh, Pez scored. Yeah. Uh, we scored on a fake jet counter. Uh, well, yeah. To I was going to say, wasn't it was yeah. Parasini's one of those like 44 where we showed jet and then yeah. you pulled like a backside guard and led through. Uh, so we went, so we went trips to the boundary to get them running and he shows the jet sweep and back in remember 2012 though, not a lot of teams are running jet sweeps. And you were picking that up. I remember after, like, because we started doing the pot pass type stuff around the next the time. year. We started, yeah, doing beca- the pot because pass. we saw Clemson. I think was that year where they blew somebody out in a bowl game. No, didn't West they? Virginia blew out Clemson. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the, wow, uh, the Pat that, White that is a long time Austin. ago. Yeah. To, to yeah. think that Clemson would get blown out by West Virginia tells you how long ago <laughs> we're talking here. But um, yeah. so we started the pot pass the next year, but there still weren't a lot of teams doing jet sweeps a ton. Yeah. And it was a pretty good staple for us. Mike DeCroce on his Parasini, they had probably a couple hundred yards rushing throughout the season on that stuff. So one of the game plan runs that we had decided was we're going to show trips to the boundary, bring Parasini across as the like, you know, three strong and the guard pulled and then our two to the field pulled. So Babs actually pulled and let him through the oh, hole. Yeah. And we had big bear Matt Sewell. As Why would you do that to Babs, John? Why would you put him in the hole? Well, he didn't, he didn't hit anyone. Anyway, the <laughs> hole was big and Parasini, uh, Parasini blocked a guy uh, or sorry, made a guy miss at the goal line to get in. That was our last touchdown of regulation, but we actually ran that play in the first quarter on like second and five. And uh, you know, our, I think my thought was our MO is we we're going to run jet sweep when we need a need a play. And so we call, I called it and I still remember Steph, I called it, you know, whatever the color number was. And Steph says in the set sets and looks at me, goes, that's a ballsy call. He said, well, we prepped it. We're ready. I think we're going to get the look. And it, we, we've got the first down by like this much. <laughs> and so we shelved it until the fourth quarter and then ultimately scored on that. So two rushing touchdowns, considering, you know, I just spent five minutes saying we weren't going to be able to run the ball. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny too, because. I, I like the idea that you have there of like, let's not outsmart ourselves and scheme up a bunch of crazy stuff and take practice time away. That all makes total sense, but it's like our core stuff. And I think a lot of this obviously speaks to, to Kyle's talent and his ability to work zone read, but it's like zone was our base because obviously Pez was good at running zone and, mm-hmm. and we had the ability to move some people in zone blocking up front because Jason Riley taught it at a really high level. But yep. it was also like, if Kyle even doesn't make the right read he's just gonna find a positive play like Uh, absolutely right his ability and it wasn't even just his scrambling or his deciding to run or pulling it at the wrong time it was like like i don't i don't know when you graded the stuff out or when you charted it but it would have been very rare from watching on the sidelines standing next to you that year where kyle would make a decision on his own and it wouldn't end in a positive play for us and that speaks to his ability to read but also just to make things happen in a in a a way that doesn't cost us anything despite the decision i guess for sure and you know we can spend all this time we want talking about game plan and all that stuff but we had great players and kyle was that in that game was the best player on the field and so yeah as much as 
you know, I, I thought the game plan was great. And I look back fondly on some of the decisions that we made as a staff. Um, we had great players make great plays. You know, there was arguably some of our guys played their best game that day. And that speaks to beyond coaching that speaks to their preparation and, and their mental toughness and a lot of things, you know, guys, Ben O'Connor, your, your, your boy from Kingston, right? Like probably the best game of football he ever played in his life and saved it for the biggest stage. Right. And so uh, the list would go on and on of guys that, that Chris Picard, right? Like uh, we gave up one sack and 60 plus dropbacks against a CFL. <laughs> against that line. Yeah. And so like, you know, names that just will pop into my head and guys that just played incredible. Um, that stands out for me too. So the best game plan in the world doesn't matter if you don't have the players that can execute it and that buy into it as well. And I think that we had both and, um, you know, the players and the buy-in, especially during that playoff run. Yeah, so well said. I, I do want to ask you something that I did ask uh, Patatsik when I talked to him about the week leading up, which is like, I... I'm obsessive about my preparation now in broadcasting because I feel like there were various points when I was playing where it was like, wow, I had no idea what I was doing and I wasn't prepping hard enough and I wasn't doing the right research and I wasn't watching enough film. So I'm just making up for lost time. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is that like, I, I feel like I'm never, it doesn't matter if every single inch of my play-by-play -play card is filled with stats and facts and info. I'm never happy with my prep. Did you ever reach a point in the week leading up to that Vanier in 2011 where you were you're like, you know what? We've done a good job. Prep is done. Let's like, was there a single half an hour where you would just detox and be like, I'm going to enjoy myself at all. Well, or, because yeah. I, I imagine you guys as a staff, every single time that this is just me projecting, but every single time, if I were in your shoes and I felt like, okay, I've done enough today. I would be like, uh, no, cause Laval is waiting for us. Like that's <laughs> the constant reminder is like, nothing is ever enough against them. Yeah, I think one of the things that Steph did a really good job at and probably still does is once you get through day three, you've got to trust the work you've put into that point. And so we played on Friday night. So day three would have been Wednesday, right? So after Wednesday night, we got our game card printed, um, you know, early Thursday morning. And we did, did the laminator make the trip? I have to ask, oh, did the always. lamination? Yeah, the laminator always. made the trip. Okay. Coach Loveday would never leave home without it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we tr you know, one of the things was, we actively tried to decompress on the Friday during the game. And so my wife flew in, Jen flew in with Ryan's wife or girlfriend at the time, Haley. And so we were sitting around at like 9 a.m. And we're like, what are we going to do till 7 p.m. kickoff? So we're like, let's go, let's go to Up Grouse. Yeah. And so that was the really the only time because they had just flown in late the night before. So it's not like we had family or anything there. So when we left, I think, when did we fly out Sunday? I think like, or early, early Monday. Yeah. It was a quite a trip. Right. So, um, from between Monday and the Thursday walkthrough time, it was pretty dedicated, but as you know, mentioned earlier, the routine thing was huge. So you kind of feel like, well, we got to meet with the players, but like, I kind of pulled myself back a few times like well if this was wednesday morning and i was in my office at you know the braley center would i be meeting with marsh and kyle right now no and they'd be trusting me to get stuff done for practice and we'd meet later today you know what i mean yeah so like why would i meet with them now just because we're all together in this hotel they've got their own things are taken care of they're seeing puskas for treatment or they're you know enjoying their time off but we the scheduling side of it is very difficult when you're on the road when you've got access to fewer resources but more time yeah and by more and the resources you do have are at that time were our assistant coaches who as you know they're they're not full-time coaches so they were there eager as can be but which is great because we had more hands on deck, but change of routine, like, you know, so having, you know, the guys there to want to watch film or script practice or whatever, that's all well and great, but we needed to make sure it made sense in the bigger picture. And that was, uh, you know, full credit to Steph for being able to kind of pull back and make a schedule that worked for everyone. I got to tell you the amount of treatment I got that week, John, was, <laughs> I mean, 
it was brutal. Like Pusky was all over me. He's like, listen, man, you got to get in here. Okay. Like all these fake punts that you're running through the playoffs are really wearing you down. And, uh, so it was, it was a grind, but I got through it, you know, one for one in that venue. <laughs> I, I often think about that. And I actually, I'll ask you this just because I, I didn't ask P about it, but like I shank that first punt, like, Oh God, I shank it. All part of the ruse. <laughs> I'm, I'm in there because crepinha has been out I didn't even like to me crepinha dressing I was like weird like shadow game guys like I'm told I'm going to be punting the whole game I'm like the hell is this guy doing getting a uniform whatever and then I shanked the first punt so bad I don't think anything of it I'm like well that wasn't great but also it's I don't remember fine. it being that bad oh I do I haven't even rewatched the game and I feel like it, it was it was worse than uh, the global Japanese punter for the Argos if anybody was watching week 16 in the CFL uh, he, he, it came off his foot and he acted like it went 70 and it went 20. Uh, and that was how it felt for me that day. But anyways, I, that happens. The next punt is the fake. And then P runs over to me after and just says, you're good. Kropinia's in. And I'm like, oh, that's what this was about. Yes, it was. I thought you knew that. <laughs> I was like, the plan was on the I inside, the, but not really. Right. So you're like a fall guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, I, th- I thought the uh, I was under the impression the whole time, as I look up your stats for the oh, punting, um, I was under the impression the whole time that we were going to fake the second punt. Really? And so in order for that to work, you had to be in there for the first one. Right. And so I was under the impression, yeah, Tyler's fine. We just have to, like I said, it's part of the ruse. Uh, yeah, the... Uh... The idea to have it scripted, I like, I don't know if I've really heard of people scripting a fake, like regardless of field position, but it just turned out perfect, right? Like where we ended up in the flow of the game and we needed a little extra juice in that spot. And it was like, yeah, sure. Get after it, man. Yeah. And, and it worked. And then it just, it played out to the point where it was like mission accomplished, move on. Tyler's in good. Let's go. Yeah. And it worked. And like you say, like at that point, it was, I think still a zero, zero game. So, you know, we were playing even on the field position game and um, we, we needed to play mm-hmm. and, you know, it takes some, it takes some stones to call that, you know, I, I think we were in our own territory. We we're like on the 40 ish coming out. Right. Yep. Uh, it was like, is this going to work? Cause it worked against Western in the Yates, right. It worked the week before, uh, in against Queens, like we we had been dialing up fakes, and it was, I was just like, kind of in the back of my head, I'm like, at, at some point, this is going to stop working. Yeah, and we ran out of time before we ran out of fakes, which is good. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I, if we would have gone to, to the Intercontinental Championship, I think we probably would have uh, <laughs> we would we would have tried to fake, and it wouldn't have worked out. But thankfully, we were just good enough in those spots. But um, I want to ask you in the middle of the game, John. Was there anything that jumped out that really had to change once the bullets were flying? Like did in, in the flow of things where you, whether it's something that you had scripted, you thought you were going to rely on something that you trusted from your preparation, then you got in game and you're like, yeah, you know what? And it's not even necessarily shutting down a certain concept, but just saying we, the way we thought of this is not the way that we're going to be able to do it the rest of the game. Well, truthfully, we ran so many plays in the first half that at halftime, you know, I remember looking at it and typically what I do is I put a little dot when I call something so that I can see, okay, if there's eight dots here, it's like, Oh man, how many times can we run this thing? I know it. Well, it's the, it's the John B. He, uh, pull the marker out dot (laughs) back into the marker, back into the pocket. (laughs) Yeah. Or on the lanyard at the time. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so if there's something with zero dots, it's like, Hmm, maybe we need to call that just as you know, it's a, it's a visual reminder. And I've always kind of done that. Um, so when I looked at halftime and I'm looking at the dots, I was like, oh my gosh, we have used up a ton of our core stuff. We had used, you know, our, our, our hooks game. We had used our receiver screen game. We had used, uh, nothing vertical really, but, um, we had used a lot of stuff, our junkie runs. We'd used the draw. We had used the, you know, the play to score to Jimmy early. So the the play card i actually pulled it out last week because someone was asking me you know what it looked like and so i pulled it out uh just a wristband i have like a miniature version yeah there was nothing on it compared to <laughs> like a couple of years later and i'm looking i'm just like is this like do what you do and do it well because we did not have more than shoot 
25 plays on there. Really? Like, it was tiny. I should have grabbed it. I have oh, it right man. upstairs. I, I'm sure I have it too. I saved every play card you ever gave me. Like, I'm sure I got it somewhere sitting it's, around. That would be There amazing. was nothing on there. Like, I look back and I'm like, how did we win a venue with this? But then it's like, we, the things we did, we did so well. And, you know, it's sort of a, something I got to keep reminding myself of, you know, as a coach, it's like, it doesn't have to be complicated, Mm -hmm. you know? And so for us, you know, that's a long way away way for me to say, you know, at halftime, I'm like, how are we going to keep churning out first downs when they've seen all this stuff before? You know what I mean? And unfortunately, um, we gave them a two touchdowns really like yeah. I mean, they earned it. Don't get me wrong, but like offensively we threw a pick six and we gave up a punt return touchdown. So I think lost in a lot of this, like high scoring octane offense is the fact that our defense played so well, <laughs> like, like gave up like what two of the touchdowns they didn't give up. And you know, we were loaded on D of course. Yeah. Um, but I was a little concerned with the sheer number of plays that we had run that I was hoping to rely on in the second half. So that was definitely a concern. Yeah. So, and as, as you're talking about that, the first thing that comes to my mind is Babs with the number of catches he has in the game. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering like how many of those just roughly off the top of your head, it was 13, was it that he had? I I think so. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And we're talking yeah. about Robert Babbick for those of you who didn't play on the 2011 McMaster Rogers. Uh, and so Babs has these 13 catches in a venue. 12, 12, 12. for 135. I just had the box. Wow. Out. 12 for 135. That's pretty sweet. But he, yeah. he has that. And how many of those would have just been on him basically running like hooks and sliding behind Will linebackers in the boundary? And like, did we not basically invent hook and slide by accident in that game? Yes, it was organic. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so explain hook it, and slide to people because this, <laughs> this was amazing. And we turned it into an actual part of our offense when I became yeah. starter in 2013. Yeah. So for people that aren't inside here, <laughs> that was very inside. Yeah. Extremely we, niche conversation that we're just having yeah, on a microphone. That's fine. That's right. So we ran and everyone runs a version of it is all hooks. Yeah. If the defenders are up, the hooks get converted to goes there's rules built in. And I think the rules built in are what makes it a good play and turns it into a great play. But what happened was we called it. And at the time we called it Henry. So Robert Babbitt runs his hook as he runs his hook, the will linebacker flies out underneath it. So Kyle wants to throw to him because it's the right read, but sees that the will is going to undercut it and potentially pick it off. So he pumps it and Babs is just kind of standing there and goes, Oh, shifts to his left, like three yards and Kyle hits him. So we, we ended up building it into our offensive terminology hook and slide yeah. behind the guy, not in front. Cause if you slide in front, he'll get hands on. So you kind of duck behind him out of his line of sight. And that kind of happened. And there's a great angle of it from the TSN the uh, sky yeah. cam or whatever. And I think that was a 19 yard gain in the first quarter, kind of how it happened by accident. But remember Babs had uh, a couple of the, the one of the concepts we installed because what our game plan was attack the edges. So edges for us would be numbers to sideline and then 40 yards as far as Kyle could throw kind of in a semicircle all the way around to the other hash and outside. So we really weren't trying to attack the middle of the field all that much early. And so we put in this, given that was something we decided to do, we put in, you know, the eight yard out in the corner in behind it. I think we called it at the time dog dog. Yeah. So two line dog is out in a corner. A three line dog was out corner out. Yeah. And I think when we switched Mike in at W that got them backing off so far because they thought Mike DeCroce, who's OUA MVP, was going to try to go vertical on a corner route or whatever. And so that opened up that eight yard out to Robert. And I think he had four or five of those just on that concept. Really, man, I didn't remember all those, but that makes total sense. Like the, the cause and effect that they would have um, on that. It's I just guess- like, oh, look, there's number one. He's got a waggle now. They back up. And then that, that's it. We had second in like 13 late in the fourth quarter when we were driving for the winning field goal and we called it to the field for the first time 
and we put Mike in at, at W and we converted that second and 13 right in front of our bench. Remember he made that catch yeah. kind of hugged it on his way down. That was that double out concept um, because they were in like a hold cover or something like that. So he had a few of those as well. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's so interesting to think back in like revisionist history, 10 years to the day later, as we're recording this to be like, Oh yeah, that did, that did unfold that way. Cause I know a lot <laughs> of guys from the team woke up pretty nostalgic today. I saw it all well, over social media. Yeah. That was kind of cool. I don't know if you felt the same way, but like Instagram was kind of lit up a little bit and yeah. truthfully, I, you know, I was at work and saw it. I was like, Oh yeah, I knew it was coming up. And yeah. once I saw those posts start flooding in and that's, you know, when I reached out, uh, when I reached out to you and that's where, you know, this, where we kind of came up with this right now. So it was yeah. like, it was, it was kind of cool to see. It still means a lot to a lot of guys and it, as it should. And that was really quite cool. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's funny because thinking about how things just came together naturally with that group, um, the hook and slide stuff, I remember on the sidelines, basically before we had even really seen it from that great, you know, spider cam view over the top yeah. of, from TSN, basically saying like hey babs what was that thing that you did on that yeah whatever that thing was just like do it again if they if they give it and it was just like we didn't didn't even know what to call it we didn't know how to describe it but that was kind of the magic of that game was just like hey do that thing and everybody's like got it and it was like on the same page even though it was like indescribable right i think that speaks a lot to just how close you guys were as athletes as student athletes and how a lot of them a lot were just on the same wavelength you know Obviously I was responsible for the offense, but I know that those guys on defense were super tight as well, you know, and, um, one of the things that I remember I've thought about today too, is you remember the pregame meeting the night before the game? Yeah. Uh, so games Friday, we said we Thursday night, we met in the ballroom at the hotel or whatever. And just the offense, we were meeting, we went through all of the card, the plays on the card, make sure everyone's good. And all at that five. point, yeah, exactly. It didn't take long. <laughs> and then after that ended, it was going to be like, actually, that's wrong. That was wrong. We did all the walkthrough stuff as QBs. And when we got together as a whole offense, everyone was like expecting chalk talk, last reminders. And I remember right. we just we just set up the chairs in a circle and we just talked. And I don't think anybody talked about a single X's or O. And the reason I remember it is because a lot of the the food was on the outside of the the door and some of the wives were there the coaches wives and stuff and when people came out we we're like look there was guys that were crying yeah and it was like what happened in there it's like it's nothing it's good because <laughs> everyone was just you know it just meant so much and felt like we had been through so much and it was a veteran team um there was a real sense that you know when we recruited all of you guys and you remember the message that we had we recruited you and I know I, I was very involved in your recruitment a lot. And it was like, we're trying to build something really special. And you guys bought into that and believed it and made it to be so. And so when it came down to the pregame meeting, I felt like we didn't need to do any more football. We needed to remind ourselves why we're all here. And it ended up being a pretty cool part of it because guys just spoke about what that season meant in overcoming adversity and coming together as, you know, a, a, not just a team, but maybe even more than that. Right. And like, it was just a really unique, uh, sort of circumstance. And that's when I told all you guys that Jen was pregnant and she hadn't told oh, yeah. her family yet. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. That's just be it. Cause we're all sitting there and like serious, like kind of vibing it. Like, okay, let's go time. Let's go. And John's just like, yeah, and uh, and also this, and we're like, "Hey, whoa! All right, cool." All right. <laughs> you guys are too young to like at the time. You're like, "Oh, that's cool, I guess." But like, right? And then I was like, "Oh, right. I guess I guess we're not going to talk about football in this meeting because I truly felt like we were prepared. Like yeah. we had a pretty good like a pretty good week of practice. Our game plan was airtight. I'd met with you guys. You guys knew what was up. I knew that the other positional guys were were on the point. And so, what else? You know, what else is there to say? Right? Like it became about more than that. And that was sort of the point of it all. Right. The, the way that I remember that meeting is, um, that, and, and like, I'm somebody who has been to leadership camps in high school and has been on student council and, and you know what I mean? It's like has done therapy sessions with sports psychologists and stuff like that. And there's a lot of moments in those setups where you're like, 
you hear somebody say something emotional and you're like, all right, like I get it. Like I'm trying to buy in on this, but like, I don't really connect with it, whatever. Like I'm here, I'm trying, I'm putting the effort in and whatever. I remember that meeting, like not ever thinking that any of it was BS. Like there was, there was no filter and there was never a moment where I thought, yeah, I don't really connect with this or this isn't really interesting. And it wasn't that people were just like gushing emotionally and bawling and saying like, I, you know, I'll never forget this. This is the greatest ride of my life. But it was just, yeah. it was people being real and, it, yes. and you could feel the realness of that yeah. moment. And it's why we were so well connected when it came to game day. Like I, John, you and I, I don't know if you remember this, but you and I on the bus ride to the actual BC place that we were playing Jeopardy. Yeah, like like well, on my phone, and that was just like us being idiots because we're just know, like, and, well, let's shoot the shit because we're all, we're ready, so let's just hang out. And Coach uh, Mike Warner, uh, who was helping out with the O line at the time, he had gotten the first iPhone that had Siri on it at oh, the time. So great! And so we all of us were like mind blown by who this, is she? What is she doing in there? <laughs> so like, but I think there. So as much as we understood the, you know, the the grandness that was the vanier cup and we didn't know how big the crowd would be or whatever and it, yeah it's laval we were we i think we knew we were ready you know like we're gonna give it our shot no one really expected us to win i think we expected to to win but we knew that and it was like so why should why you know do this fake stressed out stuff when we were prepared you know like excited yes nervous no yeah yeah totally and that's it definitely sticks with you all the way through uh, i want to ask you a, uh, one more x's nose type question sure. here, just because we get to the back end of the of the game and all of a sudden it's hey we've used all these plays and the play sheet you know the call sheet's got a lot of dots on it and uh we and it's just like you get into fourth quarter you get into overtime you get into double overtime and obviously the pressure ratchets up with every single call that you're making throughout the game, but it, you're not going to reinvent your call sheet at that point. So by no. the time you get to your the fourth quarter and, when, and you've called these 60 plus dropbacks, I imagine that your call sheet's just like dot, 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 dot. And at that point you're just like, well, we've used everything. So let's just keep going with whatever we like. Is that fair? Or were there things where you were like, we might've uh, actually saved one or two things. The toughest one I think was that second and quite long where we couldn't, you know, it's documented, uh, Steph documents it pretty well in um, that best game ever kind of documentary from TSN was we can't give up a safety. If we punt the ball, they're in field goal range because Boris, Boris Beatty's their kicker. Yeah. So what do we call on second and like, I think it was 13 or 14. And I, that was the hardest one. I was like, all we have left was a, a, con, a man zone concept uh, levels win, right? man on the field zone to the boundary we protected the hell out of it and we hadn't called that yet so that i said it's all i got you know because you know i have structure the card like first and ten second and medium and second and long it was like that's the only one that didn't have a dot beside oh wow. i was like so i like the call it's safe whether we get a man or a zone concept on defense and it didn't work out the way we wanted because it was zone but they dropped nine into coverage. And so we, Kyle, we got protected really well, really great protection. And that's, that was the Ben O'Connor catch. Yeah. And that was the one where, you know, I, I always, I, I hate to be the downer on it, but there was a pass interference call on the play. That the, <laughs> the TV, the TV never caught it because they zoomed in on Ben and they missed Murray, the referee actually call, the penalty and we obviously declined it but right. there was it was very clearly interference yeah and how did that not get called people always say i can't believe it. and i said well it did yeah but it didn't matter like it doesn't take away from the incredible catch and that that to me was the hardest play call and then you know we drive down um we start overtime uh we got the ball first and at that point it was like okay we're in field goal range we just can't lose yards and so we ran a little receiver screen to Mike DeCroce on first down. I think he got seven or eight. It's like, okay, great. Now we're for sure in range to at least put three on the board. What do we do? So we went play action with a little like boot and that's where we hit cheese on the backside drag. Yeah. Kyle kind of just stopped and popped instead of continuing the roll. He just stopped and threw. And so that was just a two play drive. So at that point it was like, 
okay, we don't need to come up with a ton of stuff. And then when they started with the ball the second time, we got, we got the pick. And so now we're instantly in field goal range. Uh, so the second overtime, we ran the ball twice. Now we were aided, and this is one that I don't know if really popped on the television or if you remember, Laval had too many men on the field. Oh wow! And that gave us a free ten yards to get even closer. See, in the in the RCQ, that happens all the time, and nobody throws a flag, so they probably just thought they could get away with it. But well, actually, Steph and I talked about that after the game. They actually had two too many men on the field penalties, and that doesn't happen at Laval, right? Like you're talking yeah. about as professional an organization as we have in U Sports, formerly CIS. And so what we talked about was they must have been really trying to match up with us. And true. And so from an offensive standpoint, I thought, you know, well, you know, we must have done something right, you know, because they were they had shifted personnel a lot. You know, Plessius started as a Sam, but we had a 180-pound receiver lined up on, you know, Matt Persini, a little scat kind of came in as a running back. Yeah. Well, by the end of the game, Plessius is at will and they brought a DB down to play Sam. And so had they not prepped that all week, as you know, as a, if you don't prep it all week, it's very hard to kind of play catch up. And I think they were mixing in a 30 front versus a 40 front and that wasn't who they were on film at least. And so it looked like they were a little bit discombobulated. Um, and maybe that's obviously like maroon colored lenses for me, but in overtime, that was, those were the easier calls because it was a two play drive and then run the ball, too many men run the ball, kick the field goal. Hmm. And so that was, those were easy, uh, you know, easy. Uh, obviously as we're handing off the ball going zone, you're like, don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble. Were you instructed? Like, was it, I, cause I forget, I haven't watched back the game in forever, but, um, was it zone under center or were you yeah. calling it out? Okay. I was going to say, cause uh, you- one was under center. I think one was gun. Because I wonder if you would have communicated like, hey, do it from the gun, but please, God, hand it off. Like, Well, we gave him one of these. Remember okay, yeah, yeah, bomber backside. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> when you give that call, it's a give auto. So yeah. there was no reads going on there. Okay. Uh, so it was straight give and let Chris get downhill, get what you can, try to center the ball a little bit, as yeah. you know, right? And so we actually, on you know, three run plays that gained like three yards combined. But the 10-yard penalty on top, we're on the 21-yard line or something like that. And so Kyle or Tyler actually kicked it out the back, right? That thing went all the way up. So uh, with that in mind, you know, that penalty was huge because maybe the ball doesn't get out the back. Otherwise, I don't know. Right. But he made it anyways, but you know, you, the single would have won it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Uh, by the way, levels win that you saved that the entire game, man, if I was playing quarterback, you would have burned that on the first drive. Cause that was like, <laughs> that was my go-to. Like there were times when in 13, 14, where I'm starting and I'm just like standing there after an inside run for a gain of one, in the fourth quarter and I'm looking at my play band you know and going, give me red seven, John, yeah, give yeah. me red seven. This is what I, know, I want. You know what? Even still, we run a version of it now uh, at Waterloo and our quarterbacks like it. It's a, it's a QB friendly concept. Oh, good. Man zone beater, right? We actually scored uh, three weeks prior against Queens on that concept to nice. put them away. And then I want to say the next year against Calgary, we might've scored on it too uh, in 2012. So we, uh, We've had, we had a lot of success with that play, actually. You know why I like that play? Because it made me feel smarter than I was. Um, because you basically can't be wrong as long as you have a, a pair of eyes that work properly and can see where the Sam linebacker is. And it also makes you feel uh, like you're a sexy big arm quarterback when you throw a skinny post. And, it's, and you're like, oh, I saw the free safety come down. I can sling this thing 45, 50 yards. Yeah. And then you're like, that ball went 30 yards. It didn't actually travel that far. You just made the right read. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> more often times than not, that thing would hit on zone and there'd be that nice big pocket Yeah. Uh, out on that you know, that weak side. And that was what I thought would happen because they, Laval was mixing in a bit of cover, cover three, but they dropped so many guys into those holes. And I mean – like, I, I, I got to say it again, like, this is a really good defense, right? Oh, yeah. Like no one did anything on them all year. And so they knew what they were doing. And so they dropped right to that spot and, you know, lucky we had, not lucky, we had the protection and then Kyle got out. He went front side, backside, front side, which we always said, never, do. never go back, <laughs> never go back. But he, he went back and made a heck of a throw and Ben obviously made 
what it like an incredible incredible catch so. it's so great that like kyle breaks the rules and doesn't get punished for it ben uh like does just these obscenely strange things and gets rewarded for them i'm like what a great play what <laughs> just, yeah, well, just the combination of it all is fantastic yeah it's funny when you dive into it and if you know you actually sat down you're like well well you talked about it earlier well we ran a hook and slide thing for 19 yards that wasn't that wasn't coaches that was players making plays and you know that's ultimately what it comes down to but um you know i, I want to believe and i saw a lot of the posts today were like talking about what a great combination it was of a close locker room coaches that we were a close group to you guys as well uh and then just tried to put you in the right spots and stay out of the way you know because we knew we had something pretty special and so um you know i always kyle i was messaging kyle today and it was always like what do you like here? Cause there was a, there's a picture of me and him I, and it was loud. Right. So yeah. I'm like whispering into his helmet. What do you like here? And he, anytime I asked him that Everything. he would look at me and say, I like it all. Yeah. I remember like, that too. <laughs> well, like that doesn't help. <laughs> that doesn't help me at all. It's one of the, I mean, there's so many great things about being around Kyle, being a backup to Kyle, working with you and Kyle. But I remember as a young quarterback, like really trying to understand football at a high level and being around you guys and I'm like learning so much and in game there's all these little lessons and I actually took like a life lesson away from that because it's burned him into my memory of him saying I like it all where it's like just that perspective on life of just being able to be like you know what whatever you give me I'm gonna make the best of it and I'm just gonna yeah. try and I, I like everything so just throw something at me and I'm gonna use it to my advantage it's like oh, yeah. I love that so much and he always thought you know he always had said like we've run everything so I'm good with it all because we've prepped it all but if you start giving me stuff that we didn't practice, then I won't be good at it. <laughs> you know, but you know, I always gave you guys the opportunity to read through the card the day before. Yeah. What do you like? What do you don't like? And have we run this during the week or whatever? And, you know, he has always said like, I've run these things a hundred times in my life, thousand times, you know, I'm good with what you with what you give and I'll, I'll do my best to make it work. And he always did. I was such a loser though. You're like, Hey, what do you like uh, on the card? And I'm like, looking at Kyle's. I'm like, yeah, me too. That's, that, looks, <laughs> that looks really good. I like that one too. It's like, is this the right answer? Coach? It's like, it's not a yeah. test, man. It's just your preference. No, like, tell me what you like to call. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, cause that's one of the things that, you know, I always believe too, is like, if there is something that you don't like as a quarterback, not only am I not going to call it, I'm not going to have it on the card. Yeah. Cause like, I, it doesn't matter if I like it. I mean, and you know, you played for me for five years. Like, if, if you well, I don't... remember a distinct memory of playing against Carlton, where I I had the inability to throw a crossing route, like a mesh route, essentially, and mm -hmm. I threw an interception to a low lying linebacker because I sailed it because I was just inaccurate on a crossing route, and I came to the sideline and I was just like pissed off. I didn't say anything, but I was pissed off. And you came over and you're like, "What can I do to help?" And I said, "You know, I can't throw crossers. I'm bad at throwing crossers. I've been bad at throwing crossers this game. I'm not good at this season." And you just stopped me. And you're like, "Stop." It's, it's done. It's gone. And you just went scratch and just walked yeah. away from me. And, and in that moment as an athlete, I'm like, Oh shit, that feels good. Okay. It's off the card. All right. We're yeah, good. We don't need to, we don't need to fight about this. You know? like, <laughs> I was like getting all aggressive about it. And you're like, relax, man. It's fine. It's done. Let's just, let's just not call it anymore. Okay? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, the moment that the, the kick in double overtime goes through the uprights, what was your experience? I, I love asking everybody and anybody this question because uh, I, there's nothing like that, that moment of finality of realizing what you've accomplished. And you only get to experience that emotion raw, real, the first time with your own eyes once. So what was your experience? Uh, I was standing beside Steph. Cause that's just, I think where I ended up, I don't right. even remember how or why or whatever, but, and I, th I think that I, th cause I've watched the game on TV a few times over the years. And I just, I think I had my hand on him and was like, this one's going in like the last one didn't and this one is though and then after that i just it was just mayhem i don't yeah. remember uh after that what what happened or you know where we got to i i do know <laughs> i i reposted i think parasini posted that group shot on the field of everyone uh and a, a friend of mine replied where are you in this picture and i was like i'm actually not in it <laughs> I'm not in it because I, someone's wife came down, they were letting the wives down on the field and they, my wife wasn't there. And I was like, well, what's up? And then she was like over getting hassled by security, not letting her on. And I was like, oh, I got to go deal with this. And while I was going to get Jen on the field, they took this photo 
And so I'm not in it. And so it's like, I know it's up in the McMaster locker room and it's all over the place. And yeah, I'm just not in it. That's all right. You were doing the valiant thing. You were doing. Well, uh... yeah. And you know, I I didn't need to be in the photo to know I was there. Yeah. You know, like, uh, actually funny story is I at work the other day. I I said, you know, he got into teaching as a second career and, uh, this guy I was telling, what would you do before I said, I worked in McMaster, you know, in athletics or whatever. And he said, Oh, the best football game I ever saw 2011. Or I said, yeah, I know. I, you know, I was there. And he was like, Oh my gosh, you were there. And he goes, I said, yeah, I was on the sideline. How did you get on the sideline? for It's like, well, I was calling the plays and he was like, Oh my God. <laughs> so I actually, I, I, uh, I, I, he wanted to see the ring. So I brought it in just the other day to show him. And he, nice. it was so cool because, you know, I think maybe guys like us that were in it, maybe take it for granted. I think I've taken that ring out of the box less than 10 times yeah same but he sees it takes it out looks at everything wants me you know what is this what what is this and took a picture of him holding it and sent it to a friend because they watched it together and i was like that's really cool you know that we had we were able like we as like from a coaching standpoint and then you guys as from playing standpoint you were able to give that to people and it did matter you know like it mattered to a lot of people and i think Sometimes we get trapped in this U sports CIS, not a lot of people watching, whatever, but there are, and it does matter. And I think that's an important thing to always remember is like, you know, for what you do with promoting football at the grassroots level and, you know, coaching and players, like there's a lot of people that this means a lot to. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it, for me, I'm the same with the ring. Uh, the, the most memorable thing I've ever done with it was when I coached sports fitness school, which is a rite of passage for all uh, McMaster student athletes. Um, when I was a coach, I actually, John, I did an interview the other day with some kids from Ryerson. And at the end, one of them goes, you coached me at sports fitness school. I'm like, and you're in university. Okay, good. I'm old now. Excellent. Oh God. Uh, but so I, 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 at sports fitness school was coaching the football class and a couple of other different things and, and uh, running lot, running oh, trails, yeah. <laughs> yeah. just running six K through Coots paradise every day. Uh, and just like chasing 12 year olds who are running 10 times faster than you. Uh, it was like, Hey, Jeremy, who runs professionally cross country, like maybe don't come to sports fitness school. It seems like you should be somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> find but, a different camp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, so I, I remember promising it to all of the, uh, the kids that were in my class, my group, Hey, if you're really good, if we do X, Y, and Z throughout the next four days on Friday, I'll bring in, you know, the big shiny ring because they, they would say, Oh, did you play, do you play football? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I would say, I'll bring it in. And I would, and it is same thing as the guy you're talking about at work where it's like, it's the coolest feeling to just see little kids, like being so careful with it. Cause they think it's worth like $10 million because of the way it looks and, yeah. and the sentimental value of it. And they're so careful and they care about it so much. And it's like, yeah, that, that sent a message. And that was just a learning tool for me uh, to be able to use with, with these kids to try and teach them some lessons throughout the week. Right. It was like, there's, there's the work that, that you put in and then there's the reward. And then like, here, let me tell you about this great team that I played on where all these people were so close and here's why we had success. It wasn't because we were faster or smarter. It was because we cared about each other. Right. And that's, um, that was a great kind of teaching tool for me in that spot. But the last one that I'll ask you here, uh, John is, um, I, I, this is the other question I love asking people about this game and really about championships is, uh, the first, so the first 24 hours, uh, nobody could wipe the smile off of their face. Like anywhere that you went, everybody had a beer in hand and was just like ear to ear. What is a memory or a story or something that you remember from that first night? It could, I mean, my, I got a billion of them. I'm sure you do too. One of my first ones is sitting on uh, the bus to get out of BC place after we've won and everybody's tired and we can't believe what we just did opening up my phone, seeing Twitter and seeing a tweet from Robert Babbick, who just had 12 catches for 120 or whatever saying sitting next to a Laval guy getting P tested dot, dot, dot awkward. And I just remember laughing thinking what a ridiculous existence this is to be like, I, I didn't know why the bus was waiting. It turns out it's for Babs. I found it on Twitter. And in 2011, finding out what was happening with your friend via social media was wild. Yeah. That's a Babs of cutting edge. Yeah. He was way ahead of his time. Uh, so and I, so- I, uh, I somehow got my hand on the official box score. You know, they, they, the officials come by and hand it to the coach's room and I had it. And while we were waiting, I do remember looking at the box score on the bus and flipping the page going, Oh my God. So we had like 700 yards of offense. I was like, <laughs> Like that's not, 
like that doesn't happen against anybody, let alone Laval. And so that was cool. And so I remember a couple of the guys that were there waiting to uh, reading it to them, you know, and seeing Kyle's numbers and like the, the receiving numbers, like, you know, I think we had five receivers with five catches, you know, like it just doesn't happen. Right. So like, I remember that on the bus and that was pretty cool. And then the thing is, it was so late, right? Like by the yeah. time we got back to the hotel, it was like probably 11, 11.30 and we're bagged. So I just, I remember being in the lobby uh, or whatever that the, the bar was, you know, attached to the, um, to the hotel. And it was like, everyone was there. Everybody yeah. was there. And the guy, I still remember uh, Nick Shortle was there with his parents. And I was like, you shouldn't even have played because of how sick you were, right? Like he, he remember he had caught in something and yeah. didn't even go on the bus. And we were worried that he was going to be scratched. And um, <laughs> there he is drinking a beer. And I said, I, she, that's she such a play. Mac guy. And he was like, I'm not missing this. And I was like, I get it. Cheers. Yeah. You know, his mom was maybe a little bit less. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> and, I mean, he basically, I, I believe he had some different various strain of the flu and knowing what we know now, I mean, Nick, little reckless. I mean, being around large <laughs> groups of people, not socially distancing. I mean, little uh, selfish, Nick. I, mean, I actually went with, with that two things that come to mind. One, one of my favorite play defensive plays that wasn't a turnover in that game. Cause we had a f- couple fumble recoveries and yeah. a couple picks, obviously Nick blitzed off the edge probably in the, I don't even know, like second quarter maybe. And the running back steps up to block him and he literally runs right through him. <laughs> like like catapulted this guy back into the quarterback. And then the pressure ended up coming from the middle, but the running back literally was a blocking bag for Nick. And he was only in his first year at the time. We knew how good he was, obviously. Um, but that was one of my favorite plays, just watching someone be so good at what they do uh, against a great opponent too. I mean, Laval's running back at the time uh, was no slouch. And then um, the other thing that pops into my mind for the defense about the game is we had three president's trophy winners in our linebacking core by the time their careers were done. Because Ryan Chmielewski won it in 11, Rami Show won it in 12, and then Shorter won it in 14. And I'm not sure that that's ever something that's happened before or since, but that's that just shows how good those guys were um, on that side of the ball too. Like it was truly a team, you know, effort. And it was so special to be a part of, you know, like to see how good those guys were, what they did and Tyler and Kevin Malcolm on specials and Gary Spiro returning the ball. I had some huge returns in the Yates and the UTEC actually. And that was just so cool to just watch how good everyone was at what they did. Yeah. So well said it's a, uh... It's such a such a great team, and I think the reason that everybody enjoys talking about this stuff and bringing it back to life, and why today has been fun for a lot of reasons, is that um, there were so many people that cared very deeply about the goal at hand, but about each other too, right? And that's that's just different than you get in a lot of situations. So, mm-hmm. not sure that you can recreate it, uh, and certainly when you become uh, older like we are now, John, you can't create it with ninety other people inside a room consistently all of the time. So. No, uh, it, no, it holds a unique spot, I would say, for all of us. But this has been super, super fun for me yeah, to catch it up with. It's the, uh, really I think it's the fun. most personal podcast, probably the most niche podcast I've ever done. But I enjoyed the <laughs> hell out of it, so I don't care. We're talking X's and O's a little. But, hey, that's all good. No, uh, you know, I think that there is people that want to hear, you know, some of the inside stuff about this game. So that's really cool, and I really appreciate the opportunity to come and talk about it because, you know, I have some really, really great memories from from that game and the prep and just being around all the guys and stuff. So it was, it was awesome.